Welcome again to Bliss Oasis Africa, where we tell the untold stories of everyday people. At Bliss Oasis, we believe that everyone has a story and we go out there giving them opportunities to tell it. And some of the stories can be hilarious, heart rendering, inspiring, and educative. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Patrick Ngogi. Welcome again to Brace Us in Africa, where we bring you different Kenyans to tell us about their stories, their challenges, their conquests in life, and how they have managed to come through. And today we are privileged to have uh, Faith Kikunda, who I think, if you ask me, I believe she's a journalist, but she'll also tell us more about herself, because I know her as a journalist for many years. At one time, I know she was in the standard. And then we also did a few features together here and there. But now she's here to tell us about that and something slightly different. She's doing some amazing job back in Meru. And she's going to tell us about it. But first, welcome to Bliss Oasis Africa Faith. And please tell us briefly about yourself and what and how life has brought you up to where you are. Okay, thank you very much, Patrick. It's a pleasure to see you in, uh, in quite a number of years. Yeah, we actually have worked together on quite a number of projects, and it's been a pleasure. So, and uh, even if I am no longer practicing in the mainstream media, but I am now doing development communication. So my journey uh, in writing or my journey as a communicator started uh, very many years ago. Uh, that is when I was about uh, in class three, that was about uh, eight years, nine years. That is when I started writing. I would write uh, short stories in class. I remember many, many times I got punished for not concentrating because I kept on writing stories in the morning uh, on my way to school i would see or witness something that happened on the road uh, and write it so yes my journey has been uh, quite interesting because i know i was very lucky to have uh, discovered my talent in writing very when i was very young when i went to school in meru i was born in meru as well uh, and I went to school in a, uh, in a school known as St. Teresa's, where I can say is where my writing skills were sharpened. Uh, there's one of my teachers back in school realized that I loved writing quite a lot. But of course, that was uh, after a number of uh, punishments, after I went through a rough time because of lack of concentration. But in class five, uh, he discovered that I really had a talent for writing. So uh, in line with that, there was a club that was existing in the school that was not very active then, but now we restarted it again. It was uh, known as Sana Club, that is a Swahili, uh, uh, because he was a Swahili teacher. And uh, that is why 
he really called it that and i remember that we would sit down tell stories write short stories at times they would be read out in the assembly or in classes so that is where my journey started many many years ago yes and and was this still in primary school when you are doing this now was it in secondary school no sana was in primary school and uh, when i completed uh, primary school i went to a high school known as uh, gikumene girls it's also it's still in meru mm. and uh, in my first year in school of course i was developing confidence and uh, accessing the situation in school but again my urge for writing could not let me stay for so long without uh, revisiting what i used to do in primary mm-hmm. so in high school again i started writing and uh, luckily enough uh, my in me there is one specific uh, or one particular teacher that really really was interested in what i was doing his name was uh, Mr. Mweti we still talk um, a little because i think everyone has become very busy with life so i i expressed my urge for writing to him he listened and uh, helped me start a club that uh, a journalism club in high school so i think that is where or rather not even thinking i am certain that is where my confidence in communication was uh, built because uh, we were given an opportunity negotiated with the school every monday wednesday and friday during assembly we were allowed to read news so we would broadcast news um, to the rest of the school it was very very interesting and where were you getting of- the news from Uh, around the school uh, of course uh, there are many interesting stories students uh, at that time would uh, get engaged in uh, you know the life of students yeah 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 okay now before, yes. before you go to your secondary school you say yes. you discovered your talent in writing while you are class what when you were 8 years old Yes, I was in class uh, I was about 8 or 9 because I was in no, class 3. Yes. So what exactly triggered this uh, discovery? I mean, did you just automatically start writing or you read something exciting? Uh, what happened? Uh I w- what I believe is that uh, that was shaped my by my dad's interest in reading as well. So you'd come to read then a serious one was the the river between it belonged to my dad i did not understand much uh, about it then but i have read it many other times so i remember you'd come with the story books my dad is a, a teacher or rather was a teacher so you would also come with the newspapers like for for example when he came during the weekend you would come with a collection of newspapers for the whole week instead of doing my homework again i would take time to revise the newspapers because they called it revising i would go so much into detail and surprisingly patrick when i was as young as that i would read a newspaper and understand yes uh, yes but of course i would rush to the the short stories i remember I used to read the uh, whispers quite a lot I still have a collection of whisper stories in a file for as young as when I was that age. Wow. 
Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. So tell us about uh, your secondary school life. You yes. So you, you continue with this writing. Continue from there. Yes, when 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 I was as in high school, as I was saying, uh, a journalism club was started with the help of uh, one of my teachers. We would observe during the, of course, we would read uh, news or rather broadcast news to the school on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. That is when uh, we had assembly. So during the during uh, the, that is the Monday and Tuesday part of Monday and Tuesday or rather the the days that we were not reading news we would observe what was happening in the school and write it down and report to the school and of course most of it uh, had a lot of jokes so it was like a light moment for the school so what I can say is my life in high school was very interesting simply because. Uh, I loved the writing, but at some point I remember when I was in Form 3, I think it got so much over me because uh, I knew exactly I, I knew exactly what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be a communications person, I knew I wanted to be a journalist, and um, I think, I don't know if it was out of ignorance or it's because I was young, I thought that if I concentrate on English and Swahili only, I was set. So at some point I started the uh, skiving classes mm. when, when when it was not when it was not English or Swahili I would go to the dining to again read the the, the short stories mm. the the set books and what have you but again I, I had very good teachers who talked to me they told me that uh, for me to succeed as a journalist I needed to sorry I needed to stand study the subjects yes Okay. Yes. So, so, you went through high school, you went to the university, what Yes. Study? I studied communication at the Kenya Institute of Mass Communication. I completed my high school in 1999. So I joined KIMC in 2000, in the year 2000. And again, I, I think, uh, I don't know if it was fate or destiny, because it seemed that uh, everything was set for me to become a, a, a journalist, as mm. yes, a writer. Mm. Uh, just to take you back a little to high school, I remember I started applying to go to KIMC when I was in Form 3. Form 3? Yes, and Me, funny enough... Meaning you're... Sorry. Meaning you had already discovered there's something called, called KIMC. Yes I, yes, I remember I saw about KIMC in a newspaper again that my dad came with. Mm. There are those advertisements that would be done. Uh, that the, Those days there was not a lot, the, the TV and radio was not very common. Mm. So mostly the advertisements would be the newspapers. So yes. I came across that. Mm. I talked to my dad, he told me it's, it was uh, one of the best training institutions for journalism. Mm. So I started applying as early as then. Mm. And uh, funny enough, at some point I got a response advising me to first of all study and first of all complete my high school. And then after that, okay. I would now apply to go to the institution. Yes. So, so. Yes. So, okay. 
Yes, you can go ahead, Patrick. No, I'm saying, okay, so you go that later. You went through high school. Then they called you. I mean, you went to KMC. Yes, but again, it was not uh, a walkover. You remember those days, they would take only one person from a region. Yes, I remember. Because, uh, yes, they would take, uh, for example, in the entire country, we were only taking about uh, 20 to 25 people. So, uh, again, when I completed my high school, uh, that year I was lucky. In 2000, they needed students because they would advertise once in, once is it in two or once in three years. So it was not every year that they were taking, uh, they had intakes. So again, I was lucky there was an advertisement for an intake where and uh, we were required to do the interviews at the district offices at the Kenya news agency offices so i went to i went for my interview in meru at uh, kna and unfortunately in meru i did not uh, i was not picked as the person from meru uh, i didn't give up i talked to an auntie who used to live in nairobi uh, because the Nairobi uh, intake was slightly later and in Nairobi they would take more people than in the other the other regions so I talked to my auntie she agreed uh, or she agreed that I stay at her place as I wait for the interviews and luckily enough when I did my interview in Nairobi I was picked yes so uh, I started my training in the KMC that was in in the year 2000 mm-hmm. so i i joined kmc in 2000 september okay yes was it a three year course yes course? it was a yes it was a three years course uh, journal uh, diploma in journalism mm-hmm. that uh, it was a very very intensive uh, course mm-hmm that uh, covered uh, print media, it mm. covered uh, electronic media that is a uh, radio mm. and photography. So basically on leaving, you are not trained just to become a, a print journalist, which was my uh, was my speciality, but you left knowing how to be a, a radio producer, you left knowing how to do to be a TV producer and also you'll be trained on how to take photos so where i am right now i can say at least i can do all that because uh, my training entailed that i think you're going to be a business reporter in Mary very soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure i would love to <laughs> <laughs> okay so um you went and stayed at your auntie's place and waited hoping you'll be taken then yes. they took you Yes. Were you informed through a letter or a telephone call? Uh, they would write letters. So you had to keep on checking at the post office because <coughs> then again, in the early 2000s, uh, telephone communication was uh, for the very, very elite, or rather, it was not very common, especially within the homesteads. Yes, in the offices it was, but at home, uh, you depend more on letters. I remember so we I got had- my. I remember we had telephone booths all over the place. Yes. And you would yes. go there and queue, prepare queue for hours if you want to make a call that day. Yeah. So, 
who brought you the letter? Your aunt or you went to the post office and found the letter? Actually, what happened is that uh, I was, I think it was a sheer luck because uh, my auntie then lived in South B and uh, KMC is in the middle of K- South B and South C. So again, it was a walking distance. So I kept on checking until I think at some point, uh, the, the that is the, what, what was his name? The principal. The principal at some point, uh, Yes, there was Mr. Osiako and the deputy was Mr. Kamau. Mm. Yes, so I kept on visiting. At times I would just go to I would just go to the institution to say hi to the principal. Let me so, ask you. Uh, yes. At that time, did they remember this is the young girl who had written three, three years or three years earlier asking to come, asking to join us? I, I actually did because even uh, when when we were doing the interviews, I told them I had carried the letters and the, the letter, the response that I got, because of course then there was no photocopy, so I did not have a copy of the letter I wrote. Mm. So they are aware. A so they are aware you are the girl they had written to previously. Yes, yes. And now, eventually, Osiako and company give you the letter. How did you feel? It was an amazing experience. You know, like uh, the way you see that uh, your life now has become what you really wanted it to be. Because the, the training to me was the beginning of the life that I always wanted of being in the media. So it was very exciting. So you had a nice time, three, and, years, three years training, and then you finished your course. Did, they, did the government employ you, or what happened after that? No, when I left uh, KMC, I went, I chose to go to a, to a TV production first mm. to learn the loops because I wanted to be an all-round person. So when immediately I left, I went for a couple of months to my internship in a production farm that was known as a, that was known as Picasa. It was in Chester House, I remember. So in Picasa, uh, mostly they used to do documentaries on the on the climate change, the environment, agriculture. And then again, I think luck again was following me because uh, in relation to that, what I'm doing right now is what I did in Picasa those many years. Mm. They, so I was lucky to have participated in a, a production of a documentary by Monsanto about uh, agriculture. And uh, I remember then there were so many things that Monsanto was doing then. Mm-hmm. And it was in relation to agriculture. That is where now my interest in uh, agriculture and environmental journalism was really, really shaped. All right. All yeah, right. so I, t- yes, I did about uh, five months of internship. And then immediately after, I joined now the mother of all, where my career now took shape completely. Mm-hmm. That was uh, at uh, the People newspaper. The People newspaper, the mother of all. <laughs> Why do you yes. go to the world? 
because basically what i can say uh, is uh, who i am today what shaped me to what i am today was uh, the people newspaper i remember that is where we met yes you are my sub yes you are my sub editor, editor and i was immediately after leaving nation i went there briefly yes yes mm. yeah we must have and there is a... yeah yeah sorry continue Okay I'm saying the reason why I'm saying that is where uh, my career was shaped is because uh, uh, being a reporter at the people meant that you really have to be a strong person to be able to take serious assignments because again I believe that um, or rather that is where as a young journalist i was sent for my first main assignments mm-hmm. and which uh, which as per my experience then such assignments were given to senior reporters but i think again the editors there believed in us they believed that by sending us to those assignments is where really you'd learn how to handle them So my main main assignment was uh, covering Katiba Watch. I remember it was a demonstration from my thing from Uhuru Park to somewhere. That is where now I faced journalism head on. Okay. Of course. So of course there was a tear gassing, there was that experience and i remember when i was choosing a career my dad telling me journalism was like uh, being a soldier <laughs> all right yes. yes you were yes you would be sent to war just like a soldier is done to cover mm. yes so now that is where my real experience with journalism began mm. and uh, out of the experience of uh, doing political here and there i realized that uh, I was not cut out to be a political reporter. Ah, eventually. Yes. yes. So and that is when now I, I discovered that uh, my line of communication was majorly on uh, human interest stories. Mm. That, that is uh, I would cover uh, many issues on the environment, uh, women's stories and children uh, children and youth of course. And that is what you had already done in your primary school. Yes. 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 Um I agree with you when you say when you say the people newspaper is a mother of all because it has mothered so many journalists. Yes. Many senior journalists or many big journalists big names now went through the people newspaper. Because those days it was very difficult to go to nation standard as, as you know as a, when you are starting your career but The people newspaper was st- almost taking in everybody and many journalists like you got the experience from there and I do really know them that the mother of all yeah so then how did you get to standard because later on I thought you were ready for the standard uh, yes I did again uh... I, I think at, at that young age uh, I really knew what exactly I wanted in life and uh, I knew that uh, I, I at some I, I really wanted to report and reach as many people as possible yes. and through that um, again I went to the standard asking to become a contributor mm-hmm. which again I was given an opportunity I did it for a short while 
I also wrote a number of stories because again it was very difficult to be in two places at the same time. Yes. Yes, so I I I would use a pen name then mm. and use my real name at the standard. Sorry, and at the people. Yes, so you are, you, you had a pen name at the standard. Yes, but I was just a, I was just a contributor. I would contribute to a column so whenever name? there were youth. What name were you using, no, McKenna? I, <laughs> no, I, I I choose I choose to not say that. Oh, because your pen name anyway. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Okay. Yes. Then I. Mm-hmm. So, short stick at the standard. When did you eventually stop writing for the people? I I was at the people from around uh, 2003 to around 2005. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is when I left and uh, did uh, I used to after immediately I left the people there was a newspaper that uh, the citizen that was owned by a citizen that was known as the leader. Yeah, that is Citizen TV, Royal Media. He, Yes, Royal Media. The yeah. newspaper belonged to Royal Media Group of yeah. Company, yeah. and it was known as the Leader. Yeah. And I used to contribute to environmental stories, which which, which I did for quite uh, for quite a number of months, and then it folded. I think uh, they they what we were told is that they realized. Um, their business model, the newspaper could not fit in their business model. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, somehow, somehow it folded. So that is why I had to leave. I contributed a little to the Metro, which was owned by Nation, mm-hmm. Daily Metro. Mm-hmm. You, you remember Daily Metro? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think uh, it did not fit in in the business model very well. So again, it uh, it folded, but by then I had already left. Okay. So after that experience, Patrick, that is when I decided. I think uh, for me, the me- mainstream media wasn't really really interesting anymore for me, in terms of my, in terms of me being there permanently. So I made a decision to move to development communication. Uh, so in 2006, I now started doing what I'm doing right now. That is uh, communicating on environmental issues, communicating on human rights issues. And uh, up to date, that is what I'm doing. And when you say communication, human rights issues and development, where, where, do, where does the story go or why does you do this communication? What media do you use? Okay, uh, what I do currently is that I consult for different non-governmental organizations. Yes, so I take them through the journey of uh, developing communication strategies. Uh, I do trainings on communication, again, uh, mostly touching on communities and also on the technical, uh, on the NGOs technical teams. Mm to again ensure that uh, communication of what they are doing comes out very clearly. Mm. 
yes and they are, they are able to tell the world exactly what they are doing and the impact that it's having on uh, people's lives okay so you yes. do not necessarily have to take information from them the mainstream media or publish them for mass media you just communication among their their clients and so on uh i can say yes and no because the at times there is targeted communication that needs the that is internal communication for the institution only but we also do or rather i i participate also in external communication where we develop stories on certain projects we develop stories on certain activities and share them using the blogs for example i have contributed quite a lot to the blog by cicafs cicafs is a an ngo yes i've also done stories for various other organizations yes yes so basically not not mainly in the mainstream media but in other media like magazines that belong to the institutions in the, their website as blog stories or features yes however this year i want to make a comeback to the media we say once a journalist always a journalist always a journalist and yes. by doing that are you able to you are doing all this from meru I mean uh, are you able to do all this and uh, work for this big this organization from Meru because normally people would think such thing can only be done in Nairobi or from Nairobi uh, what happens is that with the coming of digital uh, with the, with the, the digital technology things have been very possible for if i can are, just tell you for which you are trained also yes which i've also <laughs> trained on Yeah. I I think my 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 life in communication has just happened it's a, it, it's just been sheer like it's just been planned or cut out basically because I it find my yes, yes it, it's been happening <laughs> for me because I find that I I I had an opportunity of doing a digital communication training and almost immediately The, the the next assignment i got uh, involved working virtually yes okay now um you said you might come back to mainstream media does it mean you're going to add it to whatever you are already doing now or you're going to make a whole switch uh, i will not make a whole switch I want uh, or rather the strategy is to put whatever I am doing right now in the mainstream media because I believe that um, what I'm doing maybe to just tell you briefly what I do currently yeah. is that um, I I work around uh, climate change issues and uh, environmental issues and also agriculture and mainly with experience i've been doing that since uh, 2006 i've been working around that area and what oh, i've realized years. yes that is about 14 years and i've realized that there is so much that is happening out here in terms of um, those areas 
but that has been coming out or is reported mostly technically and the communities and mostly the the consumers some of the consumers who are the community are not able to have the experience of communication so my plan is a to start contributing again my 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 key line of uh, communication is on a uh, print oh, no, so the uh, print media okay okay yes uh, but, but i'm mostly a newspaper person even if i do the rest as well mm. so the plan is to start uh, either doing uh, an opinion column or contributing to magazines in newspapers say like if it's smart harvest i can write on a, i have a lot of experience uh, in agriculture reporting and i've started doing that talking to different people to give me an opportunity to start now contributing to those uh, magazines that's good and i think at this juncture at this juncture i would also say that we are soon bliss passes is soon launching a slopes radio the slopes radio wow. it's a, it's, a, it's an online platform where we'll be covering the whole of Mount Kenya region but i think it's happening because of you because whenever you go into something something unfolds so maybe we'll be talking to you later <laughs> about okay that. that is yeah that is okay yeah so now you are also involved in uh, street families for street children in uh, Meru town we've seen these we've seen a lot of activities you're doing on your Facebook page and i think that's what attracted me to invite you to this uh, podcast and i think it's time you now told us about our street project the street children project okay so yeah i think i remember this uh, the street uh, families story was what brought me to the podcast Yes. But again, of course, I had to talk about what no, I've no, done. No, yeah, in, in our podcast, we have to know about you. Tell us what you're doing. So it's okay. Okay, sour, sour. So let me, let, me, let me just take you briefly back to 2017 when I came to Meru. I came to Meru in 2017, October. Uh, as uh, I, I had been picked in one of the one of the organizations down here, that is an ungovernmental organization, yes. to help them uh, with their communication work. And the organization is known as the Repulse International. They deal with the women and children issues. So when, when I came down here, of course, I was doing for them a lot of communication. I would see the challenges that were being experienced, especially by children, because they, it's, it's actually a rescue organization for children that have been, that have undergone any form of abuse. Mm. And in the process of uh, interacting with the communities in rescuing the children, I came across uh, the street families. Mm. And since that 2017, I would uh, sit down on the streets with the children and talk to them and listen to the stories. And that is when I discovered that um, these children actually had stories to tell. These children were not on the streets because they wanted to. Funny enough, Patrick, the children we see on the streets, uh, of course, the, 
the perception by the public is that they are hardcore, is that uh, they are criminals that have ran away from home. But what I can tell you with surety is that around 99% of them are on the streets because of uh, circumstances at home that forced them to go to the streets. So when I discovered that uh, in 2017, I joined a team of uh, other volunteers that were working with the children in a project that is known as the Land Streets. Uh, land from the uh, Land from the Streets. LFS. Uh, land from the Streets is a project that um, was started in 2016 before I even joined them. But by the time I was joining, uh, they needed more volunteers to work with them. And what uh, the project does, because it exists up to today and we still do the projects up to today, is that uh, we decided that uh, we are not taking these children out of the streets, but we will go down to the streets to teach them from the streets. So that is where the name Learn from the Streets uh, came from. And um, it's, it's, it's undertaken by an organization known as uh, Generation of Hope. Again, Generation of Hope um, to us means that uh, it's, it's uh, mentoring a generation of hope, hopeful youth and children and women, or rather the, the street families. We, we, we are giving them hope to tell them, yes, this, uh, this is where you are today. Mm. But uh, with, a lo- with encouragement and mentorship, you can be somewhere else mm. and your life can uh, get back on track. Okay. So is this Generation of Hope your own project? Or is it you're doing it with other people? Uh, we are doing it jointly mm. with the other people. We are a number of about... Uh, And uh, all of us are trained in various uh, in various areas. How many but, you said? Uh, the, How many uh, we are number of we are number of nine volunteers. Okay. And uh, I happen to be the project manager. I coordinate the activities of the of the project. You are their mother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they call me Fire Mama. <laughs> Fire Mama, that's nice. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is street slang. Eh? <laughs> yeah, and for you to to fit in the streets, you really have to understand their language, their language and speak it. Which you have learned. Yes, yes. If you find <laughs> me on the street, Patrick, you'll not believe it's the same faith that you know. Okay. Now, you yes. say learn from the streets. So what do you teach them? Apart from giving them hope, obviously, what exactly do you teach the kids? Okay. Uh, the first, yes. First of all, I would like to let you know that we meet uh, every Thursdays of the week, mm. and uh, on those particular Thursdays, we have a schedule of uh, the trainings that happen. Mm. One of them that we do is uh, trainings on life skills and which now communication happens to be part of it. Of course, you know, on the streets, uh, 
these people have to beg these people have to uh, do some manual work for them to earn uh, a few shillings for, for for food and other necessities mm. so what we tell them is that you don't need to harass someone that you are approaching mm. for them to approach you there's a better way of uh, asking for support mm. yes and you don't have to make it look like begging for you to get what you want there is a polite way to there is a polite way to ask for help from whoever you want to ask help from so okay. we teach them uh, or mentor them on communication skills mm. we also do artwork mm-hmm. that is uh, we, we do a lot of um, paintings we do a lot of drawing because again to us uh, from experience that is part of therapy Yes, we we yes, and we meet uh, we we meet there's there's a there's a public park in Meru just um at the, almost at the middle of the 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 town mm. uh, called the Tere Park. Mm. We talked to the um, to, to the council people to allow us to be using that space. Okay. Yes, yeah, so every Thursday you will find us at a certain corner. Even if you come to the park, you ask where commandos stay, they'll show you. We call it Freedom Corner. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yes, we call it. Yes, so, we call it Freedom Corner. Yes. So, okay. Yes. So you say you say you have approached the council to allow you to yes. use the 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 plot or rather the the garden or whatever it is. Yeah? Have yes. they also provided any other assistance? Okay, it's good for them to allow you to use that, but have there been any other assistance? Or are you working mm-hmm. in any way with them? Okay, we have uh, we've been in communication, or rather, we've been uh, having a lot of negotiations with the municipality. Actually, it's called the municipality about the same. Mm-hmm. However, we have not received a uh, direct support as a as a project but out of our persistence in communicating and telling them the been sensitizing them on the need to support the street families the the county government um, has come in to support the street families directly which is a very good idea because for us what we say is that you don't need to support our project directly but you can support the beneficiaries Okay. even on your own so this this year uh, about uh, a week or two ago uh, quite a number of them graduated from the Meru youth service yes the county came in picked quite a number of them they've graduated and that now the next step is to engage them in various other activities which the county is the one that is doing that but as a project what we do we look for we look for apprentice apprenticeship where we approach different uh, business people especially those dealing with the um, vocational trainings or vocational kind of jobs say like we approach if it's a certain garage we approach them and uh, if we see there is someone amongst the group of street families that has re- reformed and can work in a garage they go for their training there they do hands on training mm-hmm. 
that is on skill training okay say if we go to a salon we find that one of the ladies because we we started specifically for the children but with time we realized that we could not separate the rest of the street families so now we are doing for the entire street family so if it's a girl who has a or a woman who has a interest in salon and we really see that they can do it and they've reformed we attach them to a certain salon for their training and also yes and, and also as part of the rehabilitation okay you mentioned the Meruid service yes. and for people living outside Meru may not know what that is so can you tell us what Meruid service uh, Meruid service is a I can say a replica of the national youth service but now at the county level it's been devolved to the county and it's a project by the Meru county government where they uh, where they recruit various youth uh, to undergo training a part of it uh, is that of course they do fitness training close to the close to actually what is done in the national youth service okay then again they take them through the rehabilitation process and after that they do it is a bit of vocational training for them mm-hmm. yes so it's, it's it's a way of engaging youth and equipping them with the with skills that they can use to either do self employment or get a, get employment elsewhere okay for so how many families are you dealing in at the dealing with uh, I will not give you in terms of families I will give you in terms of individuals Yes yes because uh, there are families that that are single families where there is only one person and there are families where you find that uh, these street people uh, marry and get married they get wow. children on the streets they raise their families on the streets and those that are lucky they get houses uh, somewhere and but still go back to the street so in terms of individuals the last um, we did our own census as a as an organization on the 270 within the Meru municipality on 200, 200 and what 270 within Individual. the individuals or families uh, individuals that you are dealing with that we are dealing with and what we know is that um, I actually came across a study that was done by someone who was undertaking some who was doing uh, some training or was studying at the University of Nairobi there was there was a they had a branch in Meru mm. and the, the 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 person that did the study was specifically targeting the street families and the information that came out of that is that uh, there are about 1500 that was uh, there were about 1500 that was in 2015 Mm. Yes, but right now with the with again covid there's an influx of new entrants to the streets. Mm. Yes, so ourselves in the project we take care of uh, say about 270 to 300. Mm. 
but okay. uh, those that are not directly involved with the project within the town, they could be more than 1,000. 1,000 individuals? Yes. That's a big number. That's a big number. Yeah. And I think this is replicated all over the country in all towns, but we are now just talking about Meru. Yes. So would you be able to like, um, like uh, tell us, because you say, 90% of these children, talking about children, run away from home because of the circumstances at home. What are these circumstances? Mm, okay, yes, uh, when it comes to the children, many of them run away from home because of domestic violence. And uh, what happens is, for example, if there are fights within the family, within uh, amongst the parents, yeah. it ends up uh, trickling down to the children. Yes. And most of these uh, domestic uh, issues are brought about by drinking, people engaging in uh, these illegal uh, drinking sprees and what have you. It also zeroes down to, for example, if um, the parents are using hard drugs like a bang. Uh, so when they're, for, I'll give an example of um, about five that I spoke to earlier on the, in the week, that was sometime early last week. Yeah. That is the new entrance to the streets. And uh, what they were telling me is that um, one me he was in class seven mm. in a school that is uh, around uh, within the outskirts of Meru mm. and the father and mother used to fight a lot mm. to the point of even um, making comments like uh, they, 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 okay they, they don't want the children they cannot take care of them oh. and they would also end up beating them so much mm. so they had to run away mm. The other issue is uh, when it comes to matrimon uh, matrimonial property. Mm. When, uh, let's say, one of the parents uh, pass on, especially when it comes to, say, like a father passing on, you find the mother of uh, the mother, somehow the property is taken and they are sent away mm. and they can no longer take care of their parents. Mm. Sorry, they can no longer take care of the children, so yes. the children choose to go to the streets. Mm. The other thing is uh, when the parents separate, like we have a case where, not even one case, so many cases, yes. where when the parents separated, you find that um, the children are left with the father, mm. and maybe the father remarries, and the new uh, wife or the stepmother to these children starts mistreating them. And unfortunately, they cannot go to their mother because uh, most likely the mother has also been married elsewhere. Okay. It depends that they are being pushed from the mother to the father, mother to the father. At the end of the day, they give up and run away. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, during the, you, you know, you say you normally meet them on Thursdays? Yes. So, during the rest of the week, they are by themselves? Yes, and uh, the reason why we meet uh, on that is, like I mentioned earlier, we are all volunteers mm. and uh, all of us are working on other projects, of mm. course, to earn a living. Mm. 
So on Thursdays is where, where at least we've talked to, we had an agreement that at least uh, we need to create time as per the schedule. Whenever it's your time to train on that Thursday, you avail yourself. Yes, so that is the reason why, because of the limitation of time. But we've been looking for ways how we can make it a fully fledged uh, program where we can even have uh, activities running that can sustain the program for us to be able to get people that are there on full-time basis. Okay. Now, you are training in, uh, you are training in journalism, but you are interested in journalism, which means going out there and meeting people. Has it in any way helped you in what you are doing with the street kids? Or when you started doing it, were you kind of scared of mingling with them? And how was it like? Uh, what I can say is that uh, my training as a journalist uh, was sort of uh, propelled my being on the streets. Because again, as a journalist, uh, with experience, you're trained to be ready to go anywhere. So I can say it made it very easy for me to interact with people with the street families. Because again, you know, in, 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 the, in media school, we are trained how to have people's skills. Yeah. That was a plus for me. And also in the project, uh, it has been quite helpful because uh, I've been able to uh, approach even as an individual or even uh, together with the rest of the volunteers to approach uh, different corporates to support us uh, whenever there is need. For example, like during our Thursday meetings, through the stories that uh, we've been telling, we have uh, one of the corporates down here that is the Mafuko Industries. Mm. Mafuko Industries is very famous for it, it bread. Mm. Of course, they have other things that they do here and there, but... Um, I think, I think they, also had, they also had a football team. Do they still have a football team? Mafuko Bombers. They, uh, yes, there was the Mafuko Bombers that was very famous. Mm. And this year, Patrick, we are trying now to revive uh, that... Uh, dream of the team mm. with the street families we've already gotten some uh, football uniform mm. so again we are talking to mafuko to see if they can become uh, our, our our official sponsors so um yeah. i don't know whether you have anything so that we can close uh, maybe a final word to everybody and uh, yeah because you are doing a great job there and uh, we should, uh, or rather, we do encourage you to continue to do with the street kids and also even developing your journalistic career. But any final word to our listeners? Mm, okay, my final word is uh, for people out there. Whenever you come across these uh, street people, if you're able to please give them uh, a listening here some of them have very interesting stories some of them really want to reform however as a society it is has that can make that uh, reform a reality for them and through talking is where you can understand how you can come in at times uh, some of them just need something very small like uh, sanitary pads you don't necessarily need to give them money 
you don't necessarily uh, need to yeah you don't need to give them money what you can do if someone tells you that it's uh, they want money for food you can just go somewhere get them uh, food as per what your pocket is able to afford if it's sanitary pads you can just go buy a packet of sanitary pads and give uh, give it to them if you have time you can listen and hear their stories because there are some that have uh, met strangers that have expressed uh, their urge to go back to school and these strangers have come through and uh, supported them in going back to school and if they did not these strangers did not listen they could not uh, come to that point of supporting so let's uh, please try to understand them try to support them of course in there you might experience some that are criminals but a larger percentage of them they are people that would like to reform given the opportunity okay yes and of course giving them opportunities would be giving them hope yes. you say that it your organization for what something of hope a generation of hope generation yeah, of creating hope. yes yes, yes. And, and, and i think because of what you, you and your colleagues are doing these children and these families hopefully are going to keep on getting hope and hope their hopes are going to get bigger and bigger and they in turn are going to touch other people's lives so at this year at this oasis africa we thank you for whatever you are doing and we urge you to continue and thank you for being our hosts and personally i'm going to make a huge trip around the mountain again i'm going to make a trip around the mountain somewhere along the line you end up in Meru and so I hope to be meeting you very soon if not there maybe in Nairobi or somewhere or maybe we'll have another session like this one so thank you very much Faith for your time okay thank you very much Patrick yeah. I appreciate that you've given me the platform and uh, please people out there we are still looking for clothes for the commandos if you have any clothes or shoes keep on supporting us thank you very much yeah and i believe you have uh, do you have a website uh, we don't have a website but we have a facebook, facebook page yes yes your facebook page is called generation of hope yes or so, sauti za tumaini sauti za tumaini yes so anybody with an interest can go to facebook and see what and see what faith is doing we are going to post the names of the facebook or the link to the facebook page in the description section below so thank you very much and all the best okay thank you very much have a lovely day thank you